And tonight, hey, it was BYOG, bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart, and they never quit until the last one. Her kick is blocked. Georgia Tech blocks it. The Jackets pick it up back in the 25, and Austin is returning it down the left oh, side. Pass the 50, a blocker, pass the 30. Inside the 20, inside the 10. And he scores! And he scores! Great to have you with us, college football fans everywhere, as we welcome you to uh, another edition of Strong as Steel, the most informative, hopefully exciting and entertaining college football show that you're going to find uh, anywhere on the airwaves. I'm Michael Regai, pleased to be joined, as always, by uh, the top forecaster, prognosticator, and author, of the Phil Steele College Football Preview Magazine. The website is uh, spectacular as well. We'll get to all of that as we say hi to Phil Steele. What's going on today, Phil? How you doing? Good, Michael. How about yourself today? I'm, yeah, all good. I'm terrific. I'm uh, as each we click each day off the calendar. You know, I'm I'm excited because uh, our work will really start to intensify as this college football season rolls. We're we're going through the American Athletic Conference, uh, West Division, we went for what seems to be real uh, uh, loaded with uh, outstanding squads yesterday. Today we'll touch on the American Athletic Conference's East Division. I want to remind you, though, when uh, I mentioned uh, Phil and I are really going to start cranking it up here, not only on Strongest Steel as the, the season begins, but Phil is now uh, locked down, firm, full-time, 100% employed by ESPN. He's been doing a lot of work with the network over the past many years. But, Phil, your duties have expanded. And let everybody know what's the best way to continue to get your tremendous insights on the game via all the various vehicles and platforms of ESPN. Yeah, with ESPN, I think the bulk of the stuff you're going to see is up on ESPN Insider, where I'll be writing college articles each week, and then every NFL game will be up there as well. Uh, and, you know, it is a, a pay site, but just $3.33 a month, well worth it to get ESPN Insider and, and get all that. And plus, you know, you not only get my college and NFL stuff during the course of the season, you get – I don't follow any other sport out there. You know, I couldn't tell you half the players in, in any other league – but you can get expert uh, articles in all the other leagues from other writers like myself who specialize in their sport. So I think it's really a good deal. Check ESPN Insider. Go to ESPN.com slash Phil Steele. That's ESPN.com slash Phil Steele, and you get more information there. But uh, sign up to ESPN Insider today. And then, uh, you know, follow the, the things, podcasts, radio, TV, things like that we'll be doing with ESPN this year. Absolutely. It should be a tremendous amount of uh, excitement as Phil just uh, churns out piece after piece for you that you'll want to want to uh, catch all throughout the college football campaign. It's just a continuance of what we do for you here as strong as steel as uh, Phil continues to maintain his spot as the top analyst in the game. All right, let's start. 
on Strongest Steel today. Our producer, Jim Nabosna, cracking the whip. He's uh, got us geared in the right direction. Let us begin um, in the state of Ohio, down in the southern part of the Buckeye State, Cincinnati's Bearcats. Uh, they've been prominent on the college football scene, I'd say, over the uh, for most of uh, the the past 15 years or so, since Brian Kelly was the head football coach there before going to Notre Dame and even Mark D'Antonio before him. Now it's longtime Ohio State defensive coordinator Luke Fickle that begins his head coaching tenure of the Bearcats. They stumbled, Cincinnati did, to a 4-8 and finish of 16 last season. Only one and seven, Phil, in uh, the AAC. Uh, the slide was dramatic offensively. I, that's what astounded me the most last year. And, you know, Tommy Tuberville paid for it with uh, losing his job. They only averaged 19 points a game and had four games last year, Phil, where they didn't even get the double digits. They were held under 10 points in those four games. Now, Fickle is going to recruit this state of Ohio and Pennsylvania and Michigan and Illinois, Indiana feverishly. That's what he's been doing throughout his entire career. But, Phil, I think it might take this season, though, to really implement his program, his system, as you always say, get to know his personnel. Uh, Luke Fickle, can he come in hitting the ground running with those Bearcats of Cincy? Well, I think, you know, when you look at Cincinnati, uh, last year was – uh, definitely a, a huge disappointment for uh, Bearcat fans. You know, this is a team that has uh, won or shared the five of the last nine Big East slash AAC titles uh, in 15. You know, coming into last year, they had been 26-5 and five at home. They had a lot of the toughest games at home last year. You had to expect big things out of them. And it was just a crash and burn four and eight. And, you know, at one point during the season, they went 13 quarters without a touchdown. In fact, mm -hmm. uh, Tuberville, I remember at the press conference, uh, Coach, what do you think for the offense? He's like, I just want to score a touchdown. I mean, 13 <laughs> quarters without a touchdown is a long span. And, you know, I tell you what, it, it really helped uh, Eddie Grand's resume, I think. The uh, offense coordinator left for Kentucky. Kentucky gets to a bowl game. And Eddie Grand's offense, which had averaged 32 or thir to 34 points per game, went crashing and burning down to 19.6. So I think, you know, a lot of folks are going to look at that, and uh, that boosted his resume a little bit. Now, this uh, Cincinnati team, they lose a lot of players. They only have 11 returning starters coming back this year. Uh, you might say that some of those losses are a good thing, especially on the offensive side of the ball, the way they played last year. They used three different quarterbacks. Hayden Moore is back. Ross Trail is back. Uh, Gunnar Keel had one great game last year where they beat East Carolina. Other than that, he was below average. And what a disappointing career for uh, Gunnar Keel, who was the number one quarterback out of high school, originally right. signed at Notre Dame, uh, yeah. all over the place. Uh, just did not pan out the way they thought. Now, Mike Boone is back at running back. Now, Mike Boone's a guy who only rushed for 388 yards last year, but he's had some big games prior to that. And, uh, you know, their offense coordinator, Denbrook, feels the running back position as good as anybody in the league. They add in a Michael Warren, who's my uh, PS number 26 running back this year, a rare VHT for Cincinnati. Uh, and that's that's a good sign there. So their running backs are going to be in good shape. They've got Khalil Lewis, Devin Gray back at receiver. Offensive line's got to get reworked. They only have two and a half starters back from a unit that underachieved. Defensively, they've got some players like Cortez Broughton up front of the defensive tackle spot, 6'2", 297. Uh, holds the point well and can get some pressure. 
You look at the secondary, uh, they've got Grant Coleman, Alex Thomas, a couple starters back, as well as Nickelback, Tyrell Gilbert. Not an overwhelming Cincinnati team, but you know I, th- I think they, they underachieved last year. Fickle should have them playing better. This is a team that, coming in the last season, had won 10, 10, 9, 9, 7, and then fell to 4. Uh, the keys are, the, you look at that schedule, at Michigan, they'll be a large dog. At Miami, is not that's a rivalry game. Oh, yeah. It, it, they, they have played extremely well against Miami, but this is an mm-hmm. up-and-coming Miami team. The very next week, they play a third straight road game against Navy. Whoa. They catch Marshall off a bye, uh, play Central Florida at home, a game I think they have a shot at. Uh, they have to play South Florida and Tulane both on the road, but playing Tulane after playing Navy in non-conference gives them a little advantage because they'll already have faced the option. Temple at East Carolina, so it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see. They need some early season success, and the schedule's not set up for early season success. No, it's not. As Phil pointed out, Austin P in the home opener on August 31st at Nipper Stadium, but then at Michigan, at Miami, Ohio, and at Navy. So, uh, right, that's not set up there. Uh, though, we look at Luke Fickle. Phil, we know, now it's, it's going to take, I, I guarantee you, give him a couple of recruiting classes. When we have this conversation to start the 2019 season, I think Fickle is going to be replete with talent. I think he's going to get a lot to stay right inside the borders of Ohio, and he might even start picking off some uh, some three and four stars. We'll see if that transpires, but that's his mo. Phil, uh, the uh, the total uh, from the gang at South Point for Cincinnati. We do win totals here for you to give you an idea what the projections are. It's set at five, and um, you know I, I, that obviously as uh, always are. It's going to be right in that area. I would think. Um, I actually think it pushes it out. I see five wins for them, but um, I- I'm going to, because uh, I want to take a stand, I- I'm going to go under. I'm going to go under and uh, say it might wind up a four-win football season for Luke Fickle. Yeah, and it's it's one where I don't think they're going to win a lot of their non-conference games this year. Uh, Austin P, the exception. But uh, And then conference-wise, I think they can pick up a couple. But uh, just like you, Michael, I've, I've got them right at five. So I find it tough to go either way. But uh, seeing that and knowing that they have to catch the breaks and a first-year head coach, I'll lean a little bit with the under. Okay, so we're both in concert there. But again, uh, two years. Check back. Watch Luke Fickle in a couple years with what he does and the improved boost of a talent level he'll bring in to the Cincinnati Bearcats football program. We're in the American Athletic Conference on this Thursday edition of Strongest Steel. Michael Regai, Phil Steele, our producer, Jim Nabosna. And when we always direct you to uh, iTunes, iTunes.com, you won't miss any of our our previous shows and we're already through the power five and on into the group of five but you know when you're commuting great time to give a listen to your favorite conference your favorite football team you can archive them all and while you're there you know our greatest mission here is we want to grow this show for you this podcast, Strongest Steel podcast, we started last year. It's your show. That's the way Phil and I and Jim look at it. Your show. We want to grow it for you. We know it's the very best out there, and we want you to feel the same way. So leave us a review. Tell us what you like about the show and uh, how you want to see it grow along with us. 
and uh, we will most uh, appreciate that from you. And again, check out all the archive episodes at iTunes.com. Uh, one move- thing I want to point out there, uh, Michael. Yeah, go ahead. You go to, when you do go to iTunes and you're, you're looking at the review thing, you're like, you know what? The show's perfect for me. I don't need to give any suggestions. The iTunes thing, we, you can actually help us grow the podcast by giving us your, your actual feeling about it. If you love this podcast, take the extra couple of seconds, go over there and hit how you like it. And, the, you know, you like everything about it, go ahead and plug that in because it helps us grow the podcast. And if you want to keep the podcast around, that's the best way to do it. So even if you love it, you don't want to change a thing, head there, give us the review on there and say, hey, I love it. I don't want to change a thing. Go ahead and put that as your review. It'll help us grow the the podcast in the future and you'll still you'll get the great content that you're getting on each of these podcasts yeah we appreciate that very much so uh please uh, heed the words and and we'll continue rolling for you here uh strong as steel our next stop in the aac the american athletic conference east division Stores, Connecticut, a lot of disappointment around stores last year. Bob Diaco, uh, I called two of uh, UConn's games a year ago, and I've always liked Bob Diaco, a terrific uh, defensive-minded head football coach, but he was fired last season uh, following the 3-9 and nine mark, and, uh, you know, they finished with six consecutive losses, and, you know, that that's when I started calling the UConn games. I uh, I called two of those those six uh, in the uh, the losing streak to end the season, um, like Cincinnati, Phil, uh, that you pointed out a moment ago, the offense uh, it was kind of offensive last year. Only fourteen points per game. Uh, second stint now as a head coach for a familiar name around stores, probably the most prominent coach in their history, Randy Edsel has returned. Edsel went to five bowl games with UConn in that span from. 1999 to 2010, he's got to establish a quarterback. Uh, they had a lot of problems there last year. He's got to try to rejuvenate this entire football team. Was that the uh, was that the proper choice, Phil, and uh, the right choice in reaching back to success of UConn football past and bringing Randy Etzel in once again? Uh, I don't mind the hire. I mean, they, I mean. Connecticut football was great when Randy Etzel was there. They even won the Big East title, played in a big bowl game. Uh, you look at their their last uh, big one they played in. Uh, and so overall, I, I think when you uh, break down this Connecticut team, uh, I think that it's probably a good hire. Now, Connecticut fans were wild about Etzel leaving. I remember Etzel left Connecticut, left for Maryland, and sort of left them high and dry after playing in that Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma. And they haven't been back there since, but uh, I think it's a decent hire. And if they just recapture what they did the first time under Etzel, they'll be in pretty good shape. Yeah, so you look at this football team now, Phil, and, uh, you know, when we, we talk about uh, the experience level, uh, you know, I, as I said, offensively, wow, they, they got a long way to go. They only averaged 14 points a game last year, and uh, that's they weren't terrible defensively. They gave up 28 a game. In fact, their defense kept them in some football games this year, but I said they got to got to get the uh, the quarterback situation squared away. I saw Donovan Williams last year, the true freshman quarterback. He's listed as, as a, a backup to uh, now the senior Bryant Sheriffs. Uh, who wins that job, and, and, and is somebody going to step forward there for Edsel? 
Yeah, and it's going to be a completely different Connecticut team this year because uh, what they're doing you know, for Diaco, what he did is he, he ran uh, uh, the slow-paced offense. Right, yeah. To keep the defense off the field, keep the defense fresh. Uh, punt's not a bad word. Uh, eat up the line, the uh, time of possession, and uh, he's had pretty good defenses at, at UConn. I mean, uh, you go back to 2015; they only allowed 19.5 points per game. That's one of the better marks in the the thing. And last year, despite their poor three and nine record, only 28 points per game. But the change is going to be huge this year because uh, a lot more high-scoring games. The offense with Rhett Lashley coming in is going to be fast-paced, get the ball off as much as you can. That's going to hurt the D. The D comes in with my number five-rated defensive line, number one set of linebackers in the country or in the uh, the conference, I should say. But they're going to give up a lot more points this year just because they're going to be on the field a lot more. Now, keep in mind, you, you go back to uh, 2015, they had – uh, sophomores make 127 starts, so it's somewhat of a veteran team. Uh, I've, I'm leaning with Sheriffs as the starter. It'll be interesting to see who gets that job, whoever fits the new offense the best. They've got Arkeel Newsom back at the uh, running back spot. Uh, he had a decent year last year, 715 yards, 4.9 yards per carry. The offensive line's got three starters back. Defensively, uh, like I mentioned, you look at them on paper, you would say seven returning starters, definitely improved numbers, but my computer's not calling for that. In fact, it's calling for them to potentially give up a touchdown per game more than last year, despite having seven starters back. And then you have to factor in the schedule when you look at Connecticut as well. Now, Connecticut at home this year draws South Florida, Memphis, Tulsa, and Missouri. I guarantee all four of those teams will be favored over Connecticut. That means the winnable games, the ones that you've got a shot at winning, you know, your smooth South uh, Central Florida, uh, those are all on the road this year. Cincinnati on the road. So I think the schedule sets up where they could very well be an underdog in as many as 10 games this year. And uh, to me, it's probably going to be a little bit of a rebuilding project. Uh, Edsel, despite having the history there, Connecticut doesn't know these players. Players got to learn brand new schemes, both sides of the football. And uh, I think it, it tends to be a, a learning slash rebuilding year for the Huskies. Yep, agreed. Now, uh, the the uh, number that's been established uh, from the uh, the South Point is uh, four for UConn. Phil, I'm going to go under that. I, I think it's going to be tough to get to four wins for them. And uh, I'm in that boat. I've got them an underdog in uh, ten of their games this year, and so I am going with uh, under four would be my uh, assessment. Okay, so we start the AAC East with, uh, you know, teams with – Cincinnati, Connecticut with uh, new head football coaches, even though familiar names. And we'll see how the first year of their systems uh, unfold as it pertains to trying to enhance winning there. And uh, kind of the same situation as we move along in the AAC East as we uh, swing into Greenville, North Carolina, to get a look at uh, the East uh, Carolina Pirates. Now, Phil, this is a football team, uh, you know, that uh, had to go through a real tough year for Scotty Montgomery, right? He uh, he endured uh, last season. He starts his second year and endured a, uh, a just a uh, three-win football season last year. And, uh, Phil, he's stepping in, replacing the popular Ruffin McNeil, who uh, both uh, you and I have such high regard for. Now, ironically, he did beat NC State early in September. Uh, Scotty Montgomery did, yet we're, uh, you know, I feel I looked at the turnovers with them, a minus 16 on the turnover side. 
He does. Uh, Montgomery does. He brings in uh, Duke graduate transfer quarterback Thomas Sirk, who I have seen a couple of times during uh, his starting quarterback uh, work for David Cutcliffe at Duke. But, uh, Phil, I just got a feeling that, you know, this is uh, this is going to be a tough do to take a real strong step forward for East Carolina. How do you assess where Montgomery is overall with the program? Well, you know, last year coming in, first of all, we go back to the end of the 2015 season when they let go of Ruffin McNeil. I, I was shocked. I mean, here's yeah. Ruffin McNeil that got him to three straight games and injury plague 2015 where he lost his starting quarterback in August. Uh, and Kurt Benkert, who, by the way, is now the starter at Virginia, uh, mm-hmm. and, and still got to 5-7, and seven, nearly a bowl game. And, uh, you know, so last year when I looked at East Carolina, I had it picked at the, the bottom of the division. And as you touched on, they opened up the season blowing out Western Carolina 52-7, to upsetting NC State. I'm like, wow, I'm in trouble with that forecast. This team's actually going to be a lot better than I expected. But then down the stretch, ended up losing their final 10 games. And none of the final 10 games was even closer than 12 points. They did beat Connecticut during the stretch, but there are their nine losses in the final 10 games. None were closer than 12 points. So uh, they ended up finishing at the bottom of the division. Now, you touched on bringing in Thomas Circuit, quarterback. That's going to be a plus. I don't know if he's a perfect fit for this offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit more mobile of a QB, but they also bring in Tyshawn Diet, a Clemson transfer, who is a PS number 20 running back. Uh, when I talked to Coach Montgomery last year, Year we're going over the receiving core. He liked the receivers they had. Uh, now, naturally, they lose Zay Jones, who had 1,746 yards, broke the uh, NCAA record for career receiving yards. But uh, Jimmy Williams, Quay Johnson, Davon Grayson, all solid at the receiver spot. The offensive line's got three starters back, so should be in pretty good shape. And defensively, you have to expect improvement. I think Kenwick Thompson, now in his second year uh, as the defensive coordinator there, brings back some talent. They've got some winnable games. Uh, during the course of the season, the season, like Cincinnati and Tulane are both at home during the year. But uh, unlike Cincinnati, by the way, which avoids uh, Tulsa, Houston, and Memphis, East Carolina does draw Houston on the schedule. Uh, mm-hmm. And they also draw um, Memphis on the schedule as well. So they draw two of the big teams out of the West. Uh, so the schedule's not easy for them. West Virginia and Virginia Tech in the non-conference slate, not easy games either. Uh, and it, it's going to be interesting. I still think probably a year away from getting to a bowl game for East Carolina, but definitely an improved team. And, you know, now they don't have to have a brand-new head coach coming in and, and be learning new things. Yeah, that should uh, that should start the, the process to be a, a little bit smoother. Yet, Phil, when we look at the win total, I, I do think that the uh, the prognosticators in Vegas, they too are believe it's going to have to be small steps. Two and a half, I think one of the lowest uh, over under win totals. Two wow. and a half, yeah. Two and a half for East Carolina. You going over that? Um, yeah, and, and uh, yeah, I would say if it's two and a half, I'm, I'm probably going to go over that total. James Madison should be a win in the opener, although – you never take James Madison likely. And here's the funny thing about that game. They actually have a number posted in Vegas on the mm-hmm. East Carolina-James Madison game. Okay. James Madison's favored in that game. And there you go. So, uh, they well, won the national, no, no, don't they won don't the sleep on James Madison. Right, you yeah. know that. James <laughs> Madison is a tremendous FCS program. I've called their playoff games many times. Tremendous. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the Cincy and Tulane games at home help. Uh, I just think they probably do. I mean, they, they shocked me last year beating NC State. So let's say they pull an upset 
and get to at least three. So I'll go with a slight lean towards the over. But uh, that's going to be a fascinating game against Jamie. How many times is an FCS school favored over an FBS school? Uh, not often. Now, you're right about that. But, I mean, I think, Phil, and, and again, you know, and uh, Scotty Montgomery, I mean, I, I do think he's going to, if they stick with them, they'll, they'll reap the reward. But let's say they don't get James Madison, all right? At West Virginia, Virginia Tech, USF, Temple, UCF, BYU at Houston. I don't yeah. see another win until November against UConn. Yeah, that's possibly. True. Yeah. So Good I call. mean, that's what, yeah. So I mean, that's why I, I'm gonna uh, I, I'm gonna go under that. I'm gonna go under the two and a half. I think they uh, I think they land at uh, at just one or two wins here in 2017. So that is the uh, the story for the Pirates of East Carolina. You know, st- Phil, when I when I talk to East Carolina fans, and I, they still are shaking their head. And again, it's 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 not a knock or being disparaging to Scotty Montgomery, but boy, did the uh, the firing, the ousting of Ruffin McNeil cause a lot, a lot of controversy around the program. Yeah, absolutely, and it's, uh, I, I saw that come across on the. Uh, I think it was on ESPN, and as like Ruffin McNeil let go by East Carolina. And, you're just like, what? <laughs> How'd that yeah, happen? Yeah. <laughs> yep, I hear you. So, uh, again, it is, uh, it's a daunting task, and we'll see if Scotty Montgomery can start to make some of those small strides this year to get his football team pointed back amongst the uh, the ones that need to be counted as uh, – Championship contenders in the AAC. We're doing the AAC, the American Athletic Conference East. It is it is thought of Phil Steele as probably right now the most prominent of the group of five conferences that also include with them the Mountain West, the Mid-American, the Sun Belt, and Conference USA. Would you concur with that, that right now the AAC is the strongest overall group of five conference? Yes, absolutely. Uh, when you look at, I mean, the, the Mountain West will give them a battle. The MAC could give them a battle, but I, right now, the last couple of years, I've had the uh, the American Conference right there. Sure, and that's uh, that's pretty much there's some quality programs in this conference. The American uh, Athletic. I'm Michael Regai, Phil Steele, our producer Jim Nabosna. This is Strong as Steel as we continue on on this Thursday, July 27th, with the American Athletic Conference. Uh, what? How about you talk about the strength of the conference the last couple of years? How about the Temple Owls? Huh? Back to back 10 win seasons, and it landed former head coach uh, Matt Rule the Baylor job. Now they tied uh, USF. With that seven and one conference mark last year, uh, Phil. Now the Owls welcome in Jeff Collins as the head coach after Rule uh, took the Baylor job. He's a defensive-minded uh, head coach now. Uh, you, you see more of uh, the the offensive minds that seemingly there for a stretch were getting hired uh, to be head coaches, but defensive-minded defensive coordinator, of course, the last six years, uh, SEC, Mississippi State, and Florida. Only 10 starters, oh, Phil, return. Experience level for Temple decreases. Four-year starting quarterback, uh, Phillips Wacker, departs. The defense rock solid under rule. Phil, 18 points a game in 16. 
They lost seven starters. They've been one of the best uh, defenses in college football under rule the last couple of years. Uh, it, would it be tough to imagine, though, that they can maintain those back-to-back 10-win campaigns that Coach Rule had them at? Yeah, and it's tough to step into a situation like that. When a school uh, goes from four, two, and six wins to 10 wins, back-to-back years, conference championship, only has 10 returning starters, and now you're the new head coach. You've got to learn the player's strengths and weaknesses. Players have to learn new systems. Uh, it's extremely difficult to match it. Generally, you do see a downturn for a team. Now, I'll say this about Jeff Collins. I, I think he, uh, I remember on Twitter, I'm going to say back in 2009, he was just an assistant coach at UCF. I think mm-hmm. he followed me on Twitter, and, 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 and so I followed him back. He gave me a couple of comments back there. So I've actually followed his coaching career since then and became the uh, defense coordinator at Florida International, moved on to Mississippi State, and then, of course, Florida the last two years. And just talked to Coach Collins uh, last week. Uh, had a great conversation with him, and I actually like the makeup of this Temple team this year. Now, granted, the, the quarterback situation, it is one of those where – there are four legitimate candidates at quarterback. Anthony Russo, Logan Marchi, Frank Nutile, and Todd Santillo. All four have their possibilities of winning there. The job is literally up for grabs. You look at them running back-wise, they do have a, a pretty good running back back in Raquel Armstead. Armstead's actually going to be one of the best players, I think, in the American Conference this year. Keep your eyes on him. Receiving core is the best in the American Conference. I mean, Keith Kirkwood, Ventel Bryan. Donis Jennings and uh, plenty of guys in the back. He is extremely high on the wide receiver unit, and they do go three, four deep at receiver. Uh, offensive line looks pretty solid. They got uh, three starters back up front. A guy like Leon Johnson has got the potential to get there. Defensively, uh, you know, that's where your question mark would be if you're looking at this team on paper with only four returning starters this year. But I like what they've got up front with Michael Dogby, Sheriff uh, Sharif Finch. Julian Taylor, you look at the linebacking core, there's a lot of speed there. Uh, and a, a good talent. A guy like Sean Bradley, I think, could step in and do well. And then the secondary, they've got a guy like Delvon Randall at strong safety, uh, Derek Thomas at corner. So I think their defense would be better than expected. So this is a, a Temple team that was picked third by the media in the uh, American Conference East. And I think if there's a team that uh, outdoes expectations in the East this year, Temple might be that. I, I think they're going to be better than I expected when I first thought Ten returning starters, losing mm-hmm. great head coach in Matt Rule, coming off a pair of ten win seasons. Uh, originally, uh, at the back in November, I was thinking doom and gloom on this team, but I'm a little stronger on them than that now. Okay, yeah, see, when Phil uh, chats with head football coaches, they they uh, they certainly know how to put out the, the the positives about their football team. And Jeff Collins is in a real good position here. Phil, I'm glad you mentioned some of that defensive talent because uh, the one guy that's going to really have to be replaced. How about Hassan Reddick last year, who was first round draft pick in the National Football League? As we know, ten and a half sacks. He led that uh, that charge, uh, putting pressure on off the edge. So you know, we'll see if. Uh, that can be made up for it's going to be very interesting so it, it sounds like then that Collins may have a veritable gong show at quarterback here in the month of August with with four uh, candidates splitting reps to see who wins the job yeah it's probably going to take him a couple of weeks to, to figure it out and uh, whoever wins the job uh, I think I'll do well you've got uh, you've got different types of players you've got mobile quarterbacks and you've got pocket passers and right 
uh, you know, I asked Coach, I go, do you have a preference? I thought that would narrow it down. And he's like, you know what, every year we're going to recruit a pocket passer, and then the mm-hmm. next year we're going to recruit a mobile quarterback <laughs> and do that every year just so that uh, you do, you wouldn't want to recruit four pocket passers because you're not going to get the best one. So he doesn't really have that preference. It's whoever takes charge of it. It all starts uh, under the Golden Dome. First weekend, Labor Day weekend at Notre Dame for Jeff Collins on September the 2nd. Phil, uh, they get Villanova, another strong, very FCS, uh, pro, very strong FCS program. Parentally, uh, they're uh, in town in Philadelphia, rival. Then UMass, and then though the road games, I look at you know at USF um, and at Tulsa. Uh, although they they get Houston at home, they get Navy at home, and they get UCF at home. Phil, the number for Temple this year has been set win loss uh, total wise at seven. At seven, what kind of stab you going to take at that, my man? Uh, I'm going to go over the total, and I like when they play Navy. It's interesting there. They they play Army, an option team. Then they get a bye, and then they play Navy. So, I mean, it, they get extra time to prepare for Navy, and it's a second straight option team. So I like that factor. Also going into the Army game, they'll be prepping for the option because that's a conference option team they've got coming up on deck. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go with over the total and uh, in this one. Okay. And uh, by the way, your your mention of Coach Collins accentuating yeah. the positives. There's plenty of players he talked about where you know these guys aren't going to be good players, but I, I like this what he's got coming in up front. So you know he he's definitely a coach that wasn't just one of those saying positives about the players. Sure. There was positives. Yeah. There was negatives. There was questions. There was positives. But after the conversation, I felt better, especially about the linebacking core, mm-hmm. than I did going into the conversation because on on the first blush, you see all the linebackers are gone and your original reaction is boy are they in trouble but he actually likes the talent they have at linebacker that's coming in and replacing them so oh, that's, that's part terrific. of the I'm reason glad to i hear that. optimistic on that sure i hear you i you know i've followed him closely too uh, as you said you know uh dc you know i i love looking at the coordinators at uh the the real strong programs whether it's sec big 10 you know because honestly you look at that guy and if he's a younger guy those are going to be your next head coaches right those are going to be the guys that get opportunities to be uh head football coaches at at uh, sometimes in a group of five program, may even be in a, a power five program. But Collins should do a real nice job, and I think Philadelphia is going to like him. Um, that seven, although I, Phil, I'll go with you, although I actually believe it's probably going to fall right there. I, 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 I could see a seven and five here. I'll go over as well. I'll uh, see him getting to eight with a uh, that talent being to figure out the quarterback spot, and Collins uh, should be good. This is the type of information you're going to get everywhere. We do it for you here on Strong as Steel each and every time we get together for you to uh, enjoy the show. And you can also expand, and I mean really expand, your opportunities to have every bit of statistical information and Phil's analysis and uh, his forecast at InsideThePressBox.com. Phil, how does everybody uh, get a hold of that, and why would it be so beneficial for them as they go through their college football viewing in 2017? Well, if you're looking for an in-depth breakdown of every game for the upcoming week, Inside the Press Box is definitely for you. Now, if you go to the website, InsideThePressBox.com, you can get a sample issue of what the newsletter looks like. And, you know, if you're a... I feel like you're one of those guys that uh, to 
pick the games yourself, you'll love the amount of information on there. But you also get my computer's forecast on every game, which I, I look at all the time. And you get my forecast in every game. A lot of times I agree with my computer. There's times <laughs> you disagree. and then There's, there's fights sometimes. One. Yeah, a little bit of fisticuffs <laughs> going on there. A lot of gloating on Monday when oh, one yeah. goes out, out, out the Especially other. Especially from that uh, computer. Yeah, Especially the computer's got a little, yeah, get, get, a little, get a little attitude from the computer sometimes on a Monday, right. but you have to deal with it. I, I greatly respect my computer's forecast, <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Uh, right. So there's a lot of good stuff there, and you can actually get 20 bucks off uh, by typing in the code word FOOTBALL. That's typing in the code word FOOTBALL, or you can call our office direct at 866-918-7711. That's 866-918-7711. Now, you'll love the Inside the Press Box website, and pretty soon you're going to love the philsteel.com website. Uh, it's sort of under construction right now. It's going to be switched over, revamped, brought up to speed, and we'll have Phil Steel Plus up there. There'll be a lot of good things going on, philsteel.com. should happen any day now, so keep checking the website, philsteel.com. All of a sudden, you'll see it. You'll see how to sign up to Phil Steel Plus, which is something I, you know, I like to stack the teams one against the other on my computer screen mm-hmm. and they go through every matchup that way. A lot of big benefits on Phil Steel Plus, and we'll be talking about that in future podcasts once we get the website up to speed, which should be any day now. Yeah, can't wait for that, Phil. Uh, always, and not just the uh, the teams does Phil stack up. He'll go position by position to give you the matchup edge as uh, he he does is uh, better than anybody uh, throughout college football. Uh, so make sure you check it all out, philsteel.com. As Phil said, uh, insidethepressbox.com and Phil Steel Plus coming very, very soon. We continue to roll here on Strongest Steel. We're going through the American Athletic Conference, the East Division. Phil, we got to go to Florida now, the state of Florida, for our final two stops with two quality football programs. Let's start in Orlando as uh, the former Nebraska quarterback, Scott Frost, did a tremendous job in his first year as the head coach. I mean, terrific job. He took the the UCF Knights from a winless football team in 15 to a six-win squad in 2016 in a bowl berth. And, uh, I mean, you, you look at that transformation that Frost had to uh, make over, and you'll, you'll see that it was a spectacular job. He runs a fast-paced, up-tempo. Oh, I, I think, Phil, they're trying to get around 90 snaps per game on the offensive side. It resulted in a huge point-per-game jump offensively. They averaged 13 points a game, Phil, in 15. They jumped all the way up to 28 points per game last year. Phil, you've got them uh, sitting in your top six in uh, the American Athletic of your position group rankings in six of those groups. They played both a uh, uh, true freshman uh, last year at the, and uh, McKenzie and the, and the senior Justin Holman at quarterback. Now, Milton McKenzie's very diminutive, only 170 pounds, and he is, a, you know, at that size, a little bit prone to injury. Excellent defensive line that Phil's going to tell you about. I really love their secondary that Phil will tell you about. They'll carry the D. Now, they took that big, huge step forward, Phil. No wins. Frost comes in and gets them to six. Can he get them to eight or nine this year and continue the upward mobility? You know, and uh, when we were talking about Temple, I talked about what a tough situation is for Coach Collins to step into a team that had been down a long period of time, reached its peak two straight years with 10 wins, and their coach leaves and they don't have a lot of returning starters. 
Well, how about the situation that Coach Frost stepped into last year? Here's a, a Central Florida team. I mean, they're not your typical 0-12 team. The previous three years, 10, 12, 9 wins. They were just playing in the Fiesta Bowl a few years ago in 2013. 2015, everything that could go wrong went wrong. They crashed and burned, dropped to 0-12. They were an amazing, and I say amazing because I've never seen it before. My stock market mm-hmm. indicator, yep. a plus 10.5. I'm like, wow. really? Plus 10.5? Normally plus 4, plus mm-hmm. 5 is your high. Plus 10.5. So all the signs are pointing out. They had uh, had the minus 20 in turnovers the previous year. Turnovers equals turnaround. An article I first wrote for the magazine back in 1995 has been true to form every year. And everybody talks about metrics nowadays. This was the start of the metrics back there in 1995 yeah. with that one. And I've, I've expanded the articles uh, since. And then naturally uh, stepped into a good situation. 17 returning starters, veteran team, underachieved. Boom, six wins last year. Got the job done. Now, that's not saying he didn't do a great job. did a great job. But I'm just saying the situation he stepped into was a, a good one. Now, when I talked to Coach Frost last year, and we're going over Mackenzie Milton, he said that he was a star in the Oregon camps that they had. And he would have been a huge recruit had he not been 5'11", 170 pounds. Uh, right. But he's a guy that can take lemons and turn them into lemonade. And uh, the, some of the stuff that he pulled off in fall camp last year has made just did a tremendous job. Sky's the limit for him. He's a perfect fit for the offense. Of course, Frost ran the Oregon offense from 13 to 15 and recruited him in as that. Now, they've got a couple of true freshmen coming in this year. They're dynamic at running back. P.S. number 36 uh, running back. Bentavious Thomas, PS number eight running back, Cordarian Richardson. Those are pretty good pieces to start with and unusual for Central Florida to land. A couple of VHTs like that. The offensive line is solid with uh, uh, practically the entire unit back. Defensively, Jamius Pittman and Tony Garrard up front are outstanding. Love the story of Shaquem Griffin at uh, the linebacker spot. Uh, you know, not dealt a great hand in life, uh, but he has really played extremely well. And uh, we, despite just having one hand, this guy last year, 92 mm-hmm. tackles, 11 and a half sacks, 8.5 TFL. This guy's an inspiration to me, just seeing him out on the field and love sure. to watch him play. And then Sean Burgess Becker at the, uh, the free safety spot. So it's a, a very good Central Florida team. Uh, and they're one that, uh, you know, is clearly the pick for second in the East this year by the media. And you could see why. And uh, Frost has the, the arrows pointing upward on this team. He does. He's uh, playing playing tough out of conference as well because, uh, you know, a, a conference matchup with Memphis at week two as a bit of a, a scheduling quirk. But, Phil, the, uh, the non-conference, they welcome in Georgia Tech into uh, Bright House Network Stadium in Orlando, and then the following week they go to Maryland. Uh, so to does there Scott Frost with a, his improving uh, – Bullets going up program against, uh, of course, D.J. Durkin, who wants to have Maryland in the same position. So, you know, the schedule is one that um, that uh, you got to look at, no question about it. But, uh, Phil, they've got the, the over-under set at 7.5 for Scott Frost's football team. I'm going to go over that. I think he can get to 8. 
And uh, so here we go with a root beer game for or for a team for us here, uh, Michael, because I'm going to go with the under. I, I think right. when you look at the Memphis game, that's going to be a tough one out of the box. Georgia Tech playing the option, and, and GT does look pretty strong. Then the week after playing the option is pretty tough, playing Maryland on the road. And Maryland's off a bye for that game as well, so that makes it even more difficult. They have to play Navy later in the season. Temple on the road, and then South Florida at home. I've got them an underdog in six games this year. So they could potentially, if they win their bowl game, top last year, six win total. But I've got them more at the six or seven number this year, so I'm going to go under the total. Okay, so we've got that root beer rolling uh, on that one because I'm going to tell you they're going to – Scott Frost is going to pick off. He's going to grab a win in one in, or if not two of those uh, those tough ones that we just mentioned. So we'll, uh, Phil and I will will disagree on that one, and we'll see. Uh, Phil's going uh, under the 7.5 for UCF, and uh, I will go over that. And uh, needless to say, regardless, though, you – you could pretty much expect the way he's recruiting, as Phil mentioned, those uh, those PS numbers as uh, he uh, evaluates and assigns to uh, recruiting prospects coming in. High numbers and uh, some outstanding three stars and maybe even a four star in the off feed for head coach Scott Frost. So that's a story in Orlando, Florida. Let's we, we stay right close to the area here. Don't have to go far away for our final stop. In the uh, the American Athletic Conference East Division, from Orlando to nearby Tampa, where Charlie Strong is uh, now the head football coach of the Bulls of USF. Oh, this was a terrific program a year ago, as uh, we know, as uh, Strong uh, takes over for uh, head football coach uh, Willie Taggart. Taggart uh, now, as we know, out in uh, in Oregon, uh, the head coach there. So. Uh, let's take a look, Phil, at uh, Charlie Strong's football team here. Uh, he fired at Texas, as we know, but he is, he's inheriting that 11-win squad, 7-1, and one, tied for first with Temple in the East, and the division losses uh, in conference at Temple. The other loss was uh, to Florida State. He beat South Carolina in overtime in a bowl game, and Strong loves that multi-skilled quarterback, Quentin Flowers. He led this football team in rushing. He uh, rushed for 18 touchdowns. He threw for 2,800 yards and 24 more touchdowns. What I like, Phil, 62% in his ball placement, his completion percentage. Four of top of their five uh, running backs, return receivers, excuse me, return to the offense. And, Phil, they put up 43 points per game and 511 yards. Everything seems well-versed defensively as well that you'll tell us about in it looks like that Charlie Strong is stepping into a real, real nice situation in Tampa at USF. Yeah, and that's one of the compliments I gave Coach Taggart when I was talking to him, uh, when I was talking about the Oregon team and going over that with Coach Taggart. I said, you know, a lot of times uh, people don't realize the shape you leave a program in, and South Florida right now is in the shape where they can actually, in fact, have a great shot at getting that top Group of five, uh, New Year's Day bowl, uh, bowl six or six bowls, uh, slot this year. So uh, tremendous shape. And, and uh, I want to go back to 2015 for a second. This team opened up one and three. 
Taggart's first two years, he was two and ten and four and eight. And each week, Taggart would come to the press conference and say, "We're close. We are really close." And mm-hmm. uh, reading the articles after the 2015 season, I'm reading the articles after their one and three start. You could tell the writers are like, "Yeah, Taggart's saying how close they are once again." All we see is another loss. Guess what they did? They went seven and two down the stretch. Eleven and two. They went eighteen and four since that loss to Memphis. Big Just time. a remarkable record. And yep. Coach Tagger was was dealing the truth. He was saying we're close. We're inches away. And now everybody is a big South Florida fan because they it really broken through. Now they do have a couple of key losses this year. Talking about Marlon Mack at running back. Right. Got a rusher eleven hundred eighty seven yards, six point eight yards per carry. This guy was dynamic. And then also their top wide receiver in Rodney Adams. 822 yards last year, but the straw that stirs the drink, Quentin Flowers is back. Flowers made my ESPN.com list. They had the dark horse Heisman candidates, uh, and I compared them to uh, Jackson, Lamar Jackson from Louisville. Okay, Jackson was sure. a guy that had over 5,000 yards total offense, over 50 touchdowns last year. Well, Flowers had over 4,000 yards offense and over 40 touchdowns combined last year. And uh, so he was like the Lamar Jackson light last season. Now he's going to be playing on a team that has the potential to even run the table. More on that in a minute. When you look at the, the offensive line, four starters are back. Defensively, just you look at the numbers last year, 482 yards per game, 31.6 points per game, and you think they had a poor defense. But I look at these guys athletically, and they've got the size that you want on defense. They've got athleticism. They've got speed. This is a very good defense, and I think they're going to have one of the most improved defenses in the country this year. I see them trimming it by about 100 yards per game. They've got nine starters back on the defensive side of the ball. They rate my number 21 defensive line in the country, number 30 defensive backs. Special teams are solid as well, and then you factor in that schedule. It's number 110. And if there's one thing you want to be ranked 110 in in the country, <laughs> it's yeah. schedule strength. Right. And that's what right. South Florida is. You know, uh, they don't play a single team that figures to be ranked this year. So that's that's a big plus for them. Their road toughest road games, I mean, you look at their five road games, San Jose State, Connecticut, East Carolina, Tulane, and at Central Florida. All fall into the winnable category. All the other games are at home. I think South Florida has a chance of uh, running the table and being that, that top group of five team. Yeah, no question about that. And, you know, Phil, that, that, that'll that start the debate. You know, you can hear it already, though. Let's say they do that and they start out. Maybe they're 8, 9, 10, and 0. And no you chance. know people – huh? No yeah, chance. But no chance. Of being, they have, they have no chance of making the playoffs with that schedule. None. Right. No, well, zero none. Yeah, my point was is that along your lines, all the detractors are going to say they haven't beat anybody, they haven't played anybody, the schedule was lined up beautifully for them. So uh, that's probably what Charlie Strong's going to, you know, he's going to be encountering those questions as they go along. Now, of course, they got to go out and win them, as we said. They uh, Bullish on the Bulls. We are, and uh, so is Las Vegas, Phil. So, uh, you know, how bullish? Ten and a half for the win total. Doesn't surprise us at all, but again, that only allows for just one slip-up if you want to go over that. Yeah, and I don't think they slip up in any game this year. And then the argument going for them for this upcoming season, uh, if if you're wondering, uh, you know, South Florida's 12-0 at the end of the year, we're undefeated and we're the champs of the best group of five conference. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, we played the schedule we were dealt. We played a Power 5 team in Illinois. Granted, I have no big expectations for Illinois, but I think he can. they'll make a strong enough case to be that team that gets uh, that's picked. And I don't see another group of five team going unbeaten this year. Yeah, Phil, is this somewhat comparable, though, to a year ago when we saw uh, P.J. Fleck, of course, or reel off the turn into 13-0 and with the MAC championship game win over Ohio? Is this could be somewhat comparable when we speak of the top echelon of the group of five? Nobody saw that coming with Western Michigan a year ago. Everybody's forecasting it for uh, South Florida this year. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the one thing is uh, uh, last year when you look at the uh, – the surprise teams or the uh, the top non-Power 5 teams. I did have Western Michigan in my top six to make it as a group of five team last year. So I had, had high expectations for Western, and uh, they, they definitely achieved it last year. I've got even higher expectations for South Florida. You going over that 10.5, my man? You betcha. Yeah. Uh, maybe uh, uh, Phil sounded like I uh, running the table here, perfect 12-0. and 0. Um, I, You know, uh, that, that I know it's a finale, and it's on uh, the day after Thanksgiving, you know, just down the road in Orlando. But, uh, oh, you can't wait for USF and UCF to get at it. That one, And, and they've got Tulsa at home the week before as well. So uh, I'm going to go over. Uh, I don't see them running the table. I got them at 11-1, and one, but uh, we're going to go over that 10.5 for the Bulls of South Florida. So, Phil, I, you know, wrapping up the uh, – I think of what, what we uh, certainly laid out yesterday in the AAC uh, West and uh, now today with the AAC East, I mean, what? We, we're talking about legitimately five, maybe six football teams that could be a conference winner of their conference championship game. That's, that's how uh, you know, talent-laden this conference is. Yeah, and I do think it's the best of the group of five conferences out there. And uh, really, when you look at those teams, a lot of good offenses, but there's some good defenses in the bunch as well. And as we've touched on over the last two days, if you've been listening, a lot of good-sized defensive lines. I mean, you have to be impressed with the yep. the defensive ends that are they're in the league generally, and you would expect a group of five defensive end to be one of those speedy 235-pound guy, but they've got legitimate defensive lines in this league. Yeah, they do, and it's something that's uh, going to have to be accounted for, uh, and we will do just that all uh, year long. Uh, strong as steel. So we are through our very first group of five conference, the American Athletic. Talent-laden, Phil's got it as the very best of the group of five, but we still have four more to cover in our uh, beginning of uh, the 2017 season preview editions of uh, Strong as Steel for you. We will uh, still get to the Mid-American Conference, the Mountain West, also the Sun Belt, and Conference USA, and that's still coming up uh, all uh, next week as we get into, uh, Phil, we're closing in on the month of August, man, and all I know is there's football dates that show up in the month of August, as in that kickoff weekend that begins on Thursday, uh, August 31st. So we've got a lot of work to do between now and then. We want you to join us at Strongest Steel. Phil, have yourself a real good one, man, and we'll see you back here as we keep rolling through the Group of Five conferences. How does that sound? 
Sounds great, Michael. All right. Phil Steele will always be ready. So will our producer, Jim Nabosna. I will uh, certainly do my best to follow suit. We know you'll be ready. Hope you're enjoying everybody. We will see you next time right here on our next edition of Strong as Steel. For Phil and for Jim, I'm Michael. We'll talk to you soon, everybody. So long.